0: Uh, Doctors, welcome to our our special personal injury, monthly superstar special, uh, a show presented by myself and my esteemed uh, colleague, Alex Eisner. And uh, today we have our number one star. And there's nobody that attracts bigger crowds than than Sam Collins. So we have a record-breaking setting here. Uh, We're recording this uh, so that if you want a copy of it in the future, go ahead and get it for fun and for free. Uh, Alex will tell you how to do that. Uh, it's on our website, so that's that's a helpful hint. Uh, we'd like to have your suggestions and criticisms and questions particularly. Sean Steele at seansteel.com is a good way to get your questions answered if we don't get to it. Sam's going to give you all kinds of information. In fact, that's his email right on the uh, right on the screen. So we do this once a month. We keep it to 30 minutes. We invite uh, people that really know a lot about personal injury, and it's really designed for chiropractors in California. But the truth is... There's some uh, interstate people that are kind of figuring out how to get in our system because they're friends of Sam. We were on a seminar just the other day with Sam, and Sam's got a huge national following. So it's, it's pretty impressive. This uh, time, Sam's got so much material, it's probably better that I don't say anything. Uh, Alex has got a lot on his mind, but uh, he'll share it with us at the appropriate time. If Sam's talking about PI diagnosis, what are you missing? And boy, I can tell you, I read reports every single day. There's a lot of good stuff missing, which adds big dollars to a PI case. And study after study shows when you add more dollars to a PI case, it's much easier to pay the chiropractor 100%. Uh, and that's our goal. So uh, do you properly identify your prognosis with sequelae? Uh, sequelae, I'm not sure. I think it's a Latin word. And I think Sam's going to be able to explain it. But uh, no, we've, we've, we've got a crowd that's joining us. And uh, doctors, uh, just uh, hold on to your hat. Uh, we're going to be through this in uh, less than 30 minutes. And we're going to give you a, a ton of information. that's going to make your head explode, and that's our goal. So take your take your aspirin if you take aspirin. Sam. Uh, Alex, you want to say anything on the preliminary? Uh, just just that it, along the lines that you were
1: saying about uh, how we do this every month, we bring in some really great guests. And I just wanted to point out that uh, it's a podcast. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it's uh, Sean Steele Law Firm mm. podcast. Uh, you can check out all of our back episodes are all there. We also put the video of all of these up on our YouTube channel, SeanSteele.com YouTube channel. Uh, so you can see the video and all the slides as well as past episodes and our other uh, YouTube content. So we throw that all up there. Uh, but without any further ado, and I want to make sure we, we get uh, Sam enough time to, to talk because I think there's going to be a lot uh, on his mind. Uh, let's give it up for uh, Sam Collins. Sam, talk yeah. to well, us. Well,
2: thank you. I, I always appreciate it. And uh, you were with me this weekend, Sean. You're right. We did have a big crowd. We had about 160 national audience. But here's something that's always near and dear to me, of course, personal injury, because it, it may be the last place that doctors can honestly get paid what we're going to call usual and customary. I mean, let's face it, you've got so many other plans that are cutting you. PI has got to be part of what you do. In fact, it could make a big difference in how well you do. So I want to talk about personal injury diagnosis, what you may be missing from this standpoint. One of the complaints I get, we do the network service. I'm sure a lot of you are my friends that have, and use the service as well. I get questions on, hey, Sam, the attorneys, my bill's being cut or things going on. There's things you have to do to figure what do we do first. Now, I'm never going to say we're responsible for everything, but we're responsible for our part. So are we giving the right information for an attorney to be able to settle properly based on damages? You've all seen Judge Judy in those shows before. At the end of the day, every person that goes on there says, well, I want $10,000. Okay. And then Judge Judy says, what are your damages? And they go, well, $2,000, but I'm really mad. It's worth $8,000. Judge Judy says, here's your $2,000. So you get the value. We have to value the claim. So I want to talk about personal injury from this standpoint diagnosis wise, we have to make sure, are we giving a diagnosis that equals what's going on with the patient? Well, it's a uh, auto case, it's trauma. So there's gotta be trauma. So there should be strains and sprains and trauma. That's not the only thing, but it's gotta be part of it. Remember an insurance company is always gonna look and go, was this something that was not related? Is it something that we didn't cause? Cause if I didn't cause the damage, I don't wanna pay for it. So we have to make sure what we're treating the patient for directly relates. Now, what I want to be careful of is you don't need to use these codes. I mean, look at this guy. I don't get always sucked into a jet engine, but when I do, V97.33XD is honestly a diagnosis code for being sucked into a jet engine. I mean, give me a break. What you want to know is, well, what happened? So look at these other ones here for driver of a car. Those are all fine. I'm not going to say they hurt. They don't help. Here's the bottom line. All state already knows it was a car accident. You stating in the diagnosis it is doesn't help. They want to know what happened to the patient. So in absence of them wanting that, you don't include they were a driver of a small car hit by a big car. That's part of what went on. But the big issue is what's wrong with them. And, of course, we use diagnosis. That's our way of doing it. You don't narrate the diagnosis. It's a number. So you have to remember, you may write this really great, this is a severe sprain strain. Do you know what they're going to know? It's just a code number. They don't know severe because severe is what you've narrated. We have to have a code. What makes a sprain strain severe? We can call it a grade three, but what does it do? So we've got to use diagnosis. So understand medical necessity for any patient is going to come down to what is their diagnosis? And of course, the history makes a difference. Traumatic, repetitive, chronic, all those factors. But look at number three here. Comorbid factors, think of how many patients have been in an accident that have underlying conditions. Imagine a 75-year-old in a car compared to a 25-year-old. Why does the 75-year-old have more injury? Because they have more underlying conditions that are part of it that make it easier to be injured. That's the comorbidity. So diagnosis comes up, those first three things got to be part of it. Now, of course, all the other stuff, You know, your exams and quantification, absolutely. So I want to hit on... What are comorbid factors? Here's just a generic list I pulled out, you know, from the Spine Institute that showed here are things that actually will increase the patient's need for care. And you'll see the obvious stuff, advanced age, metabolic orders. But I want to look at number five, six, seven, disc, protrusion, spondylosis, or look at number four, anomalies. How many of your patients have a reverse curvature after a car accident? Are you coding that? Remember, what you don't diagnose doesn't exist. The insurance only knows what you tell them. So I want to ask you, what are you giving for diagnosis? Are you painting a picture that is a detailed Rembrandt or are you giving a Monet? Monet paintings are fine. But if I asked you who the woman was on that painting on the left, would you know? I don't think so. So I want something more detailed when you can. Don't tell me it just hurts. Why does it hurt? So by example, let's look here at some of these common codes. Let's notice the first thing here. There's a new code for headache, R519. Would I ever use that probably in an auto accident? My opinion? No. Why wouldn't I use unspecified headache? You know why I wouldn't? Because what you're saying is there's a headache, but I'm not sure. I say you are sure. Let's take a look at this second section here, traumatic. I would say the issue is it's a traumatic headache. It's either acute, chronic, or classified some other way. What's acute? It just happened. What's chronic? Been there for 30 days. Here's the big point. What am I making sure to do? Correlate that the headache is related to the accident. Because remember, an insurance company's job is to see if they can minimize it by saying, hey, wait a minute. Has this patient had injuries in the past? Because if they do, maybe it was there before. What if your patient had a history of headaches? How do we show that this is different? Give me the traumatic code. In other words, code in a way that fully details. Think of this. How many of your patients can have trauma to the brain? Now, I want to be careful. I'm not saying you're diagnosing, you know, post-concussion, but could you be part of that with a referral? Sure. Have you ever had a patient after an accident talks about, yeah, I've got these headaches. Man, I'm not sleeping at night. I'm real irritable. You know, light is bothering me. That sure sounds like concussion. I want to do a concussion evaluation. I want to send them out at least with what we call an ACE, A-C-E, acute concussion evaluation. It's a form. By how you score it will tell you, and then from there I can refer. Then what if it's a true concussion? Absolutely. So I want to always correlate it. Think of how many people have TMJ issues after a car accident. I want you to see something. Notice there's TMJ syndrome that could just be, but notice there's a sprain strain factor there. So I want to, again, code that things that are happening to this patient. So again, we have things like strains and sprains and spinal issues, but remember, there's always more. Is it just a sprain strain or look at these codes? Cervical brachial syndrome. How many people in a car accident complain of my neck hurts, but they also have pain going into the shoulder? That's probably cervical brachial. Is it related to the accident? Yes. Does a sprain strain explain all of that? No, sprain, sprain strain is a good for trauma, but does it explain all the symptoms? Well, look at this one here. What about injury to nerve root? What if you have a patient after an act has a severe impairment? You know, numbness, tingling. I'm gonna not maybe go as light as a cervical brachial. Maybe I'm gonna go with the injury to nerve root. Or how about other factors with strain, sprain? Notice there's sprain and strain. Absolutely. How about spondylosis? Or here's one that I make a big stink over, and let me blow this up to see it. I mentioned the codes for the curvature. Take a look here. M40.03, 12, and 13, secondary kyphosis. Their curvature is not normal. That almost happens every time there's an accident, if nothing else, just from spasm. So, again, I want to think along the lines, are we giving the right code to start with? And, again, notice all these other codes for disc problems, disc dorsopathies, you know, or, or dorsopathy pain. It could be a protrusion. Realize that again, give me all the things that are happening. Does strain sprain explain everything? No, there's probably going to be my opinion now. I would say per area where there's trauma, I'm going to bet two, maybe three diagnosis might go there because you have to explain all the symptomatology or conditions that are there, not just the strain sprain. And notice we have the same thing, thoracic spine and so forth. But what I want to hit on is what are you missing? I think for the most part, we're all there. We all are familiar with strain sprains. You know, initial encounter, subsequent encounter, sequelae. I do want to clarify just to be sure, and I'm hoping everyone's on speed with this. Realize when you look in the code manual, and here it is. It says S14, S13, and it goes, okay, initial encounter, subsequent encounter. Do you notice it doesn't tell you what that means? So the average doctor, I would say, looks at that and goes, well, does an initial encounter sound like the first visit? Subsequent the second. That makes logical sense to me. But of course, that's not how the codebook works. So let's really define it. What does it say? In fact, I'm gonna give you directly from the 2021 official codebook. It says on page 21, the term initial encounter is somewhat misleading as it actually refers to the period of time when the patient was receiving active treatment for the condition. What is active treatment? Meaning you're treating. So it's always gonna be an A. Well, I won't say always, but mostly. It's mostly gonna be an A if you're actively treating. Why? If you use a D, it doesn't make sense. Let's understand. What does the D say? This is also on page 21. The D says this is the encounter after the active phase of treatment. So why would you be treating someone on a D if it's after? What would be the point? You know what a D is for? Medical doctor sees the patient initially. They want to refer to you or a PT or someone. When they refer to you, you're going to treat and it's going to be an A. But after you treat them for eight weeks, they feel great. They go back to the MD And the MD looks at them and goes, hey, everything looks good. We're going to release you. That's a D visit. In other words, D equals no treatment. So A, initial encounter. But here's the focus today. What are we missing? Sequelae. Think of how many times you've had issues with patients that after you've treated, they still have symptoms that relate to a disability or dysfunction or a need for care. You can code that now. What you're going to code, like by example here, you'll see M7912. That is myalgia of the head and neck area. Not uncommon. They still got muscle pain. Now, the accident was six months ago. You've had patients like this. The accident was six months ago. And they go, well, that still kind of bothers me. Think of how many people you've seen that go, well, you know, when I was 15, I fell out of a tree and I hurt my shoulder. And every time I do this with my arm, it hurts. That is sequelae. What does it mean? Residual factors that impair the patient's ability to function and to have a good life. So you always want to make sure, am I missing something at the end? If your patient is perfect, so be it. But let's be realistic. Is everyone perfect after an accident or would we argue most people? Well, actually, Sam, no. That's why we write these prognosis that say the patient may have residual problems, need ongoing care and scar tissue. Let's code that.
0: Sam, let me interrupt. to
2: understand sequelae is what you're going to be able to do. To demonstrate what is still wrong with this patient, and it may or may not mean you're directly treating every day all the time, but they're going to have residual problems. Remember, this is the damages you're going to show Judge Judy. What are why do you want ten thousand? Because I have these residual problems that are going to need care, and then your attorney can monetize that. Well, that's going to be three times a month for the rest of their life, and at visits at hundred dollars, that's every year thirty six hundred dollars. This person's going to live another ten years. We want another fifty thousand dollars. That's that's how you get your bill not cut. So Sam, I want you thinking of looking at some of these codes that could be sequelae.
0: Okay, Sam. Myalgia. Sam, can you hear yeah. me? Two questions. Dr. Mark asks, how many what what point do you have too many diagnoses?
2: don't put a diagnosis. you have too many when you're putting like four or five and it's repetitive. But I'll give an example. If you say sprain strain, does it do you any good to say there's neck pain? That's already there. It's inherent. But would it do you good to say sprain strain with radiculopathy? So if it's something that's not inherent to the primary code. So if there's something that other code tells me that that code doesn't like, if you told me myalgia with a sprain strain, initially, I don't think that helps. Of course, there's myalgia. But let's talk about sequelae. How many patients six months after the accident, the sprain strain, the injury is gone. But there's residual myalgia as a result of dysfunction to that muscle. That's what I'm talking about. Or how about this one, fibromyalgia? A patient had an accident six months ago, but they have pain all over their body. Everything is achy and tender. They've got other symptoms. Maybe it's fibromyalgia. Or how about muscle spasm? You ever had muscle spasm for a long time? Imagine if you just clench your fist tight for an hour, how is your hand going to feel? Imagine that's your neck every day for months. That's a big issue. Look at this though, stiffness. There's a, if a patient just have an abnormal motion, they don't have full range of motion after an accident. Think of how many times that happens. We call that stiffness. Or how about spondylolisthesis, the congenital issues, lots of things. And here's what I'm going to make an emphasis to. Look here, what says ligament laxity and biomechanical lesion. After an accident, most people that have a severe whiplash, that ligament now is torn and it's longer than it should be. So the joints flopping all over the place. An unstable joint is going to be dysfunctional and causes you to re-injure and cause the body to degenerate more. But you can't say it's going to degenerate. Show me by using the code M2428. The residual factor of this accident is the sprain strain is healed, but there's still dysfunction. Think of a broken arm. An arm, a fracture could heal, but what if it heals in a malposition or has a lesion there that causes motion to cause pain? The fracture's gone, but not the dysfunction associated. So when you have ligament laxity, you know true laxity where you have at least a millimeter or more, 24, 28. But what about when it's not that? So let's get into that a little bit. Let's talk about ligament laxity. If you have as little as 0.6 millimeters, that probably is going to start going on laxity. In fact, of a full uh, full millimeter, 0.06 to a full millimeter will cause it. But what about someone that has a little less than that? We'll call that a biomechanical lesion, meaning it's not fully, but it's still moving in ways it shouldn't. And if you have anything that's moving someplace that shouldn't, what happens over time? Just like a car, if it's out of alignment, it's going to be a problem. So could I have sequelae that is fully M2428? Well, what about biomechanical lesions? That's that patient you go, well, they're doing pretty good. But after a while throughout the day, their neck begins to bother them more. That's an issue. Or how about just full on spinal instability? if you have a clearly unstable joint, there's a code for it. Notice every area of the spine has one. Again, could that be related to sequelae from trauma? Absolutely. Or how about this? Other specified dorsopathy may say, well, what is that? Well, have you ever heard of something called facet syndrome? Facet syndrome doesn't have its own code. So let's say there's a condition that you're saying, I can see there's it, the residual factor of this accident is this patient, though the sprain strain has essentially mended there's still dysfunction when they arch their back, their pain is much more significant. I would say the sequela there would be facet syndrome. And depending on the area, it would be this code. Now in your notes, you indicate facet syndrome because it's a condition you're identifying that otherwise doesn't have its own code. Or how about this one? How many patients after an accident have cervical cranial, cervical brachial syndrome? What is that? You know what that is? Syndrome means it's a complex of things. How many patients complain their neck hurts, but that's it, my neck, and that's it. But how many complain and say, my neck, yeah, but man, it's radiating up right to the base of my skull. Sometimes I feel it to my ear, or they feel it into the shoulder. You may or may not want to code ridiculopathy, but I would code the syndrome because it's the complex of all those things. When you look at the definition of these, you're going to go, oh my God, that's a much better way. The strain sprain caused this. The trauma may have mended. But just because the trauma mends, like if you break a branch on a tree and put it back together, could that remend? But is it ever going to have the same structure? No. So I want to make sure, am I coding what's there? Look at these, myalgia, fibromyalgia. How about muscle spasm? These are all factors that this patient is being released from very active care, but it is very likely, based on my experience of 30 years as a chiropractor, due to the underlying sequelae of myalgia, wherever else this patient probably is going to have flare-ups that will constitute an average of three to five visits per month.
0: Sam, we've we got see see the question. Problems. Sam, yeah. uh, we're going to put Sue Mullen on. She's got a question for you. Okay. It's right on it. Sue, can you hear us? Oh, Sue, you're muted.
1: Yes. Can you oh. hear me, Sam?
0: Yes, you're good. I can hear you. Hey,
1: fabulous, gentlemen. Thank you so much. So my question is, when we say sequelae, to me, that means something that's happened as a result of. Now, is that in the initial diagnosis, or is that changed as the patient's condition changes? Where do we put the sequelae?
2: Okay, so let me go back to this, and ju- let's just show it easy. Sequelae is the, the issue that is caused by the injury. So the residual factor of this strained sprain, notice it's diagnosis B, this myalgia is the residual factor of this sequelae. So in other words, you code the primary condition And then follow it with sequelae. What we're relating, this doesn't happen right away, sequelae is something that's after. That You know what, the strain sprain has gone, but there's still residual factors. So sequelae, in my opinion, is never going to be less than three months. You got to give three months for something to heal, even a fracture. Mm. Now, I would even argue for some, maybe it's even longer than three months, but you reach a point where you're going to say, okay, three months after an accident, six months, I would certainly say now we've reached the point of sequelae. So what we are highlighting is what the sequelae is. Don't say sequelae by itself. That means nothing. That just means there's something wrong. We have to identify what is the sequelae. Sequelae could be scar tissue. So we would code that or stiffness. So getting back here, the idea would be these things at this point in the game might be M5386 is the sequelae of the accident. So I would put M5386 followed by S33.5 XXS, meaning sequelae of the lumbar sprain. What we're trying to do is I'm saying here, this becomes part of, oh, by the way, well, this becomes part of your prognosis. In other words, my rule is stop writing a report that no one's going to read or care about and give them the diagnosis that they actually look at. Because if it's significant in the report, it would mean it's diagnosable. So when you tell me this patient has residual problems, what are they? Are they myalgia? Is it fibromyalgia? Is it related to the accident? So in other words, instead of writing the report, give an actual reason, which means the diagnosis, which brings me to this one. It's called an inflammatory spondylopathy. It's called spinal enthesopathy. Now, I want to be careful. Spinal enthesopathy is not an acute condition. You're not going to get this right after an accident. I want you to think of this as tendinitis. If you sprain or strain your Achilles tendon, is that immediately an enthesopathy? No. It's a sprain. But what happens as it mends and the area becomes tight and inflamed and irritated, that's a enthesopathy. So think of how many patients that have a lot of inflammatory tenderness and pain right on the spinous process maybe 3 to 6 months after an accident. That could be enthesopathy. It could be myalgia, but myalgia is muscle. Enthysopathy is more the tendon. So muscle insertion. So like a calf muscle would be a myalgia. If it's the Achilles tendon, it's an enthesopathy. And what I'm trying to highlight is let's think of the common things that happen with a whiplash. Aching neck, back pain, shoulder, referred pains, pins and needles. Could be ringing in the ears, reduced range of motion. What I want to hit on is what are the long-term effects people experience? Chronic pain, they could have dizziness, ringing in the ears, upper back pain, severe pain, jaw, numbness. These all have potentially diagnosis or reasons. Like if I have numbness, weakness, and sensory symptoms of the hand, what's that going to be? Cervical brachial syndrome or radiculopathy. Jaw pain is going to be TMJ syndrome or strained sprain or chronic headaches. Ringing in the ears, there's codes for that, for tinnitus. Or dizziness, H814 for um, vertigo. And now some of these here, memory problems and so forth, may be things we'd have to refer out for. But how many of your patients complain of, oh, my God, because of this accident, man, I haven't slept in two weeks. I am so stressed. That might be part of what you're initially working with. Now, I'm not saying we're treating the insomnia directly. But as I make the back better and get rid of their symptoms, does the insomnia improve? At the very minimum, I want it to be part of the notes. So here's what I want you to think of. So, Sam, let, so, me,
1: let me jump in okay. with a couple, couple of little questions. We're, we're, we're getting about six minutes left, so I want to make sure right. we get some of these questions. Dr. Kenny has a question about redundancy in listing uh, different regions of the spine, like M50.20, M51.24, M51.26, uh, IVD disorder, cervical thoracic and lumbar. He wants to know if that's redundant. Um, well,
2: here's what I'll show you. No, here's why. They're are different areas. So take a look here. We have disc issues that are C2 to 4, C4 to 5. So if I have a disc injury at C4 and 5 and at C7 and T1, there's a separate code and there's a reason there's a separate code. Now, when you get to lumbar spine, lumbar doesn't go into different vertebrae, but is the lumbar spine different from the cervical spine? So that's not redundant. What would be redundant is to say, this person has uh, a disc injury to C4 and five, and then tell me they have a disc injury with radiculopathy. No, there's one code you would put for that, that's all. What I would be careful of is being redundant on things that are just repeating the same thing. In other words, get away from using symptoms unless you don't know why it's there. If you say sprain strain, you don't have to tell me it hurts. That's kind of a given. If you have you know, uh, somebody with a sprain strain that has myalgia initially, I think we're probably okay. But let's say six months later when the sprain strain is resolved, would it be normal to have a strain sprain with pain that far in advance? That's where I think the myalgia might come in. Initially, no. What I would be conscientious of is don't shotgun and tell me a bunch of codes that really say the same thing. You're not giving them something different. If it's giving a different protocol and a different diagnosis, I, I say absolutely.
1: Well. Thank you for that. And then one more question, and, and this one is is uh, right up my alley. I particularly like it, but I'm, I'm interested because we have you here and your thoughts on it. Dr. Kangy, he's asking about um, backfiring. He talks he talks he use the example of ligament laxity uh, as a being a permanent condition. and are there some things that can possibly backfire by, uh, by the defense or insurance companies if you if you note them uh, in your reports? I'm assuming he's talking about sequelae and, and things that are potentially considered well,
2: existing. Here's what I would answer to that. You no longer have to worry about someone that has pre-existing conditions. Fortunately, our laws have gotten rid of that, and we realize that was a stupid thing. You never want to code. The key is you have to code what's there. What you have to make sure is you can't guess at ligament laxity. You can't say I had them move their head front to back; it's laxity. No, you have to do a bona fide study where you're doing flexion extension X-rays, which show translation of at least one millimeter or more. If it's less than a millimeter but above, you know, point three. I would say biomechanical lesion. That doesn't backfire. It gives the reason why this patient still has a problem. That's becomes my issue is that chiropractors love to complain to me that they're not getting as much money on the claim, but yet they want to use the same diagnosis and expect a different outcome. Sprain strains are required and it's part of it. But if I have only a sprain strain, quite frankly, I would say in four to six weeks, you should be better. Let's face it. We've all sprained your ankle. Did you have to go to the doctor? Did well, you and have I to take company, 20 weeks of care and I hear if that from insurance severe companies, enough maybe.
1: And I hear that from insurance companies all the time. This person has a sprained strain. this should have been improved, you know, should be all better in, in three to six weeks, you know, moderate treatment. you know the fact that and
2: and the, they're you know, absolutely right because it's right. true. But the key is, is it only a sprained strain? and that's where you're missing out is that yes, strain sprain is a big part of it. So give me those codes. So again, common terms for whiplash, long term, sequelae provides the definition and specificity to your prognosis. So what I want you to think of is that when I look at this am I really painting a picture of severity. Now what I'm going to I'll finish with this. I would like everyone take out your phone right now. Ooh. If you take out your phone, open your camera. When you open your camera, you scan that QR code. I'm going to give you a gift. Any of you would, would like to try our network service, what we offer is a service that I've become part of your office. You can call me, email me, fax me. I deal with Alex, Sean, and John all the time. We trade information back and forth all over. Yeah, Sean's doing it now. And I'm going to give you for 30 days free the service that people otherwise pay you know several hundred dollars for. What I will guarantee is once you give it a try, you're going to go, hey, I'm going to just continue it. But I would say, give me a chance to help you to do this better? Because obviously in this forum, it's a little difficult. It's very generic. How about I become part of your staff for basically $400 a year? Think about that for a second. A coding and billing expert for $400 or even better, we have a mid-level one. It includes two seminars with continuing education and access to our code manual. Or if you go to the third level, I'll go to your office and audit. What we're trying to do is to make sure that you're doing it right, because if you're getting paid, it's better for us. We do seminars, and without you doing well, so give our network a try. Go in for it, but don't just sign up, because the first month is free. Use it. I'll guarantee every time you call, we're going to make you more money, because you can realize that, for those that have come for a while, PI is something we do well, because we've been around it a long time. I've been working with Sean directly, just in this way, 22 years. Prior to that, Sean and my dad worked together a lot. So I'm pretty familiar and can make sure you've got the right pattern. Get get a chance to have where I talk to and teach seminars to over 5,000 doctors a year. Let me pass on some of that knowledge to you. So scan that, join, no obligation. If after a month you don't like it, we'll say goodbye. I'm not going to have any hard feelings, but chances are you're going to go, oh my God, it's the best money ever spent. Can you imagine that? $400. You don't have to just go to a seminar. You can call me. We can fix things. Imagine All right, Sean, that's it. To, that's my promo. Imagine how Otherwise, much fun I'm you hoping to do, everyone's doing
1: okay. So much fun with a free audit. Who could want anything?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, guys, a couple of things to wrap up here. We're going to stick to our schedule. Now you know why Sam was our most popular. Uh, you know, just, It's it, just a few minutes. It's a lot of information, you got questions answered. More people have asked questions. We've left a lot of people that have questions that we couldn't get to because we only have a half an hour format. We're going to do this again Sam is just way too popular, so you're going to be seeing him shortly. But Sam, we're looking forward to live presentations. I know you're doing a lot of telephonic in the the age of the plague, but I think, uh, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel, I like to think. Sam and I are big supporters of the California Chiropractic Association. We want to make sure that you guys, I just paid my dues yesterday. I think all doctors need to. They're, They're the only ones that care about you besides your mother and your spouse. Nobody else cares uh, so un- understand that, you know, we, you got, you got lethal predators in Sacramento that want to take, take your business down. Uh, we do a PI email alert. If you're not getting it, email me now, Sean Steele at com. It's a lot of fun. Alex does the best writing. I do okay writing. John does all the editing. So it's a, it's a, it's a deal. And Sam, uh, you, you've answered my question. How do we get a hold of you? You just got to get a iPhone and, Get,
2: get your queue and take it. Come a- in and try the network service. It's unlimited. I have offices I talk to several times a day. Not mm-hmm. kidding. And I have other offices I talk to two or three times a year. But even those, the value is there. Because mm-hmm. if I fix one claim, let's let's face it, one claim is worth way more than what you're going to pay for the service. Plus, we keep you updated. So, by example, how many of you are familiar with the new codes for e How do they work? Well, join the network. Let's help you with it. Cliffhanger. I love the cliffhanger.
1: Somebody <laughs> asked in the chat real quick, we're going to have to sign off, but somebody asked where they can find uh, this if you if you jumped on later, if you want to send it to a buddy. Uh, it's all on uh, YouTube. This will be up on YouTube uh, within about 24 hours. It's also, uh, so you go to YouTube, type in Sean Steele uh, Law Firm, you'll find it. Uh, it's also going to be on our podcast. Uh, the audio of it will be, so you can, um, you can go to iTunes and type in Sean Steele Law Firm Podcast. Click the subscribe button on either one of those services, and it'll n- notify you uh, every time we do a new one. Um, Sam, thank you so much for being here with us. We really appreciate it as always. Great content and we will see you all in
0: the next one.
2: Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate you guys. Stay safe, everyone protect yourself and your families. Bye-bye.